It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I know you do it every day, but if you don't, go check out the podcast on Himalaya, on Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or on Spotify. Hit the subscribe button, give us a rating, give us some feedback. We look at all that and appreciate it. Today on the Lockdown Bengals podcast, we are introducing a new format, you might have noticed, that will start the podcast with a lead story. This will be five minutes of news-driven content which will consist of the, in our opinion, most prominent Bengal storylines in a given day. Look for that to start next week in earnest. We piloted it a couple times last week, and I hope you like the change. The other pressing note to mention when talking about the show's format is that we will be going to a slightly shorter format. We'll be topping out at 30 minutes in the future, and the biggest impact for you as listeners is going to be, well, if you're a trucker, we're sorry. If you have a longer commute than 30 minutes, we're sorry. And we're going to have to probably spread questions out for more than one day of the week because that tends to be our longest episode. And this is a network-wide change to make everyone consistent and on the same page as uh, we try to do that, that we may have more announcements in the future, but I hope you guys like it and stick with us. So today, we're not doing that. This week, we're a little bit scattered. I am traveling to Cincinnati on Wednesday, so we won't be recording on Wednesday. Thursday, Joe's working a night shift. I'll be at training camp, though, so Thursday is a question mark, but we might just record that Friday morning and try to get that out to you early so that you can listen to hopefully some audio that I get. It sounds like I'm going to have the opportunity to interview players and sit in on Zach Taylor's press conference on Thursday. So, fingers crossed that that goes well. And at the very least, you get to see practice that day, right? I will stick around for practice, for sure. Right. So, that'll be awesome. I I just want to hear, I want Friday to be your your own notes and everything you got to experience and what it was like. We'll see if I can pay attention to it in person. I've been watching football on TV for so long. And when I actually go to games, it's, it's much harder for me to pay attention to things just because that's not something I have much experience with. It's just a different angle. It's a different pace. There's a lot of distractions, people talking, and you're also having a good time meeting people when you go down there. So, uh, yeah, it, it can be tough. Especially at training camp. Like, when they're at 11 on 11, then sure, I can, you know, pay attention a little bit. But I'm used to all 22. I, you know, you get those angles, you get that end zone angle, and it'll yeah. be interesting to and see where, where they put it, us, too. If things go well, I might right. be down on the field. That'd be nice. That would be cool. But also, it's it's sometimes you're going to miss a lot because defense will be on one side, offense will be on the other, working on individual stuff. And right. you'd like to see both, but you, you can't. I feel like I just default to watching offense in that scenario, depending on what they're working on, because the defense is like, I don't know. Depends on what drills they're running. Anyway, yeah. let's get into some stuff, shall we? We should. Today, let's start with injuries. Giovanni Bernard was on the rehab field today. We speculated in our most recent podcast that he might be getting traded, that the Bengals might be exploring 
whether or not there's any value or demand for Giovanni Bernard. He was dressed for family day practice and didn't really do much, according to Jay Morrison. According to others, he didn't participate at all. He was a non-participant today. After practice, Zach Taylor said he had a hamstring injury. When asked which leg, which hamstring was tight, left or right, he kind of said yes and gave a weird look. So I thought that was an interesting note. He doesn't have to comment specifically on what the injury is, so there's that. But I thought it was weird that he wouldn't just say, oh, it's his left leg, you know, we'll be fine tomorrow. Because he said he could go today if he had to. Yeah, but I didn't... They don't even have to specify during reg- to specify during the regular season, right? Of of left or right, they just say you know hamstring injury, and right. they do sometimes. They'll say left or right shoulder, throwing shoulder, non throwing shoulder at times. Uh, but I guess for a running back, they just say leg. Yeah. So he's on the rehab field today, along with John Ross again, who remains day to day, hasn't practiced since training camp open. Dark West and Ard, same story. Kavari Russell, who has been there since like the first or second day of camp, it feels like. And college free agent wide receiver Hunter Sharp, also on the rehab field today. Sharp was a guy that got a lot of early attention, I feel like, in the offseason program coming into training camp. But since then, it's been all Damian Willis. Yes. And uh, Damian Willis looked like he had a nice catch today over the middle where he got banged around a little bit from a linebacker coming underneath and uh, still held on to it. He seems to impress every day. He definitely looks like he belongs, at the very least. Getting reps with the ones is going to be good for him. I think it's nice to have an undrafted free agent receiver that we can be excited about who isn't, uh, who's a guy that, uh, Desmond Briscoe. Well, he wasn't undrafted, but yes, right. Or even Auden Tate. I mean, these are late round guys that sometimes we pin their hats on and they don't do much. Tate did make plays in camp, but uh, in regular season he didn't. And Tate continues to make plays in camp. Uh, he does. He, he's been a standout again. He's running good routes. He's getting open. He's still got the high point and the catch radius skills that made him an attractive prospect, even as a late-round guy. So still some promise with Auden Tate. And he's out there with the first team on special teams, according to John Sheeran. Yeah, that's a good thing. That'll help us figure out who those final guys are. If they, because I think I've gotten a few questions on Twitter every day about that. Do they keep six? Do they keep seven? Who are the final two guys? Can we cut uh, Cody Core? It, can it be Auden Tate and Damian Willis as the last two? And a lot of that will depend on special teams. But we also have the depth chart, Jake. And I know everyone's waiting to hear our analysis on that. Uh, and it places Auden Tate and Damian Willis as the third string guys on the outside. And we'll get into the depth chart in a little bit more depth, actually a lot more depth in the second segment here. But that is an interesting note. Also, Cody Core is still a first-team special teamer. Mm-hmm. So in order for Cody Core to not make the team, it's because they have to really believe in Damian Willis, and Damian Willis also has to be adequate at special teams. That's it, yeah. They and have to th- think his ceiling is higher than Core's as a receiver and that it's not too much of a drop-off on special teams. Right, and the way it's listed now, they would be number seven and eight on the depth chart. So they would it would require the Bengals uh, keeping that many players if Auden Tate or Damian Willis are to make it. But again, it's week one, so uh, we're not going to talk depth chart too much. Just that as of right now, the Bengals still view Cody Core and Josh Malone ahead of those two. And and Damian Willis is a guy that could pretty easily get onto the practice squad, unless he blows it up in preseason, right? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, with the old administration, we would sometimes say, oh, they're probably just hiding him so they can sneak him onto the practice squad when you wouldn't see some of these guys. And it worked. They did get guys onto the practice squad that we thought might be commodities for the rest of the league. Uh, 
every now and then a guy would get off and and go to another team, but for on tape was on the practice. Desmond spot. Briscoe. And Briscoe had a illustrious NFL career down in Florida. He did catch some touchdowns though. Actually, when I was looking, I was looking something up recently, and his, I think it was John Ross stats, and Desmond Briscoe caught seven touchdowns, I believe, in his career. And I was like, oh no, I didn't, I never knew he did that. No. Right. <laughs> Let's take our first break, Joe. We'll be back after the break to talk about the depth chart, and then in the third segment today, we'll touch on some more notes from today's training camp practice. We'll be right back. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals podcast with Jake and Joe. This is one of my most exciting uh, days of the offseason for me, Jake, especially in preseason and camp as there's a lot of player evaluation and fun. But getting the first depth chart of the season, and not only that, the first depth chart of the Zach Taylor-led Bengals, just to see, I think this is even more interesting because you're getting, what, a 95% roster that was Marvin Lewis's players. How does Zach Taylor view him, and how does this coaching staff view him? And now we get our first look. Uh, here's a hint. Almost exactly the same. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Except the differences for... are... Yeah, let's, let's start on the offensive side of the ball. C.J. Uzama is listed as the first tight end ahead of Tyler Eifert, who is ahead of Drew Sample. Of the tight ends fighting for that last roster spot, I'm a little bit surprised to see Mason Shrek behind both Stephen Carter and Jordan Franks. I thought he might be above one of the two. But he's coming off injury, though. That is a fair point. And it'll be interesting to see how many tight ends they keep. The other end of this that we don't really know yet is how many players in each position group they're going to keep we had a pretty good idea of it most years under Marvin Lewis with some derivations from the norm but we really have no idea what to expect with Zach Taylor maybe they keep an extra receiver because they're going to run more 11 personnel they're going to have three wide receivers out there more often hard to say yeah that's true and we've we've also made the case of where does Tyler Eifert count because you may use him in a receiver role more often so does that mean you only keep six receivers I would say, however, Tyler Eifert, from what we've seen, has been lining up in a traditional tight end role just as much as he's lined up out wide, just as much as the running backs are lined up out wide. So it's safe to count him as at least half a tight end right now. Yeah, and I don't think it's a surprise that Uzama is listed above Eifert uh, with the injury concern and the money they gave, gave Uzama. I, I, at that time, I thought he would be the guy that takes the most snaps at tight end. Now, the the wrench they threw in there is when they drafted Drew Sample in the second round, listed as the third tight end now. 
The other big news that I'm sure you're all paying attention to and curious about is John Jerry is listed as the starting left guard ahead of Christian Westerman, ahead of Michael Jordan. Trey Hopkins got another practice today with the first team. So even though John Jerry's listed here as the first left guard, Zach Taylor said after practice today that it's an open competition. At the left guard position, is that starting to sift its way out a little bit, or is it still, still wide open? It's still a full-blown competition right there, you know, so I think there's there's plenty of people we want to take a look at, and I would say that that thing's definitely going to extend through this week. There's no question about it. It's good to see that nepotism and familiarity still drives the Bengals' decision-making there, as John Jerry obviously worked or played under Jim Turner before. I will say, though, it does seem like Trey Hopkins is getting those reps recently, and maybe it's uh, because he didn't get, have the chance until Billy Price came back, sort of giving him a fair shake at that position. But uh, overall, I think this offensive line looks exactly how we expected. Only note other than left guard is that Andre Smith is listed as the backup at both left tackle and right tackle. Well, because who else is there? Justin right. Evans is the third guy at left tackle, and Kent Perkins is ahead of O'Shea Dugas at right tackle. That doesn't Great. make me feel anything at all. I will make one note, I think, about the idea of familiarity. It looks that way on the depth chart, but I'm willing at this point to give the team the benefit of the doubt because so far, Zach Taylor said it's going to be an open competition at left guard. They're all going to get their chances with the ones, and that has been the case. Maybe this first week, John Jerry has the first shot at it in the first preseason game, but I believe Zach Taylor when he says it's going to take at least another week to figure it out. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it took another two weeks after game three or or deciding for game three. That's how it's usually done in, in other cities at starting positions. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what it took. And he did also mention in that post-practice presser or little media huddle that happened that the coaches haven't yet decided who's going to play how much and when in the preseason game yet. They're going to get through practice tomorrow. They're going to reevaluate kind of where they're at, who they think needs work, who they want to get more tape on, and make the decisions from there. On the defensive side of the ball, the depth chart, for the most part, is exactly what ex- we expected, with the maybe the exception of Sam Hubbard being listed as the starting right defensive end ahead of Carl Lawson, who has, by all accounts, had a great uh, camp so far. I think the only only point of contention here is that does this mean they still view Carl Lawson as a nickel edge rusher only? As the as the offensive side lists three wide receivers as what you expect to be their base offense, you almost would like to see a nickel depth chart, right? We're, we're maybe a few years away from that, actually yeah. splitting it out into another position on the official depth chart, because I don't think they want to tip their hand necessarily to this is our nickel rusher, right? They don't want sure. other teams to... I mean, they're going to figure it out, right? NFL teams aren't dumb. Well, sometimes they don't make the right choices, but they're going to know that when Carl Lawson's on the field, he's probably out there to rush the passer, although he'll tell you that he thinks he's a great run defender too. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out and if Carl Lawson is indeed a number two here or if this is because he's coming off an injury or if they just see Sam Hubbard as more durable and taking that, you know, the extra... 10 snaps a game and the punishment at the position there. Right. And that's, this is kind of how it's been for Carl Lawson now three years in a row where he's going to be listed as a backup. I don't have any doubt. He's going to play a lot and play often as the Bengals are going to be in their nickel package. I just think it's interesting because the only part that I hate is when you're in those tight games or maybe the other team is running it more than you expect. And we don't see Carl Lawson and you really want him to impact the game as much as possible. Yeah. 
so just seeing this makes me wonder, will they be at the mercy of the other offense still? It depends on how good their offense is, right? Yep, exactly. It's all about game scripts, because if you're playing from behind on defense, that's not really want to, where you want to be if you're Carl Lawson. Other thing that really jumps up for me is Jermaine Pratt is listed as the second team weak side linebacker. Now, you know, most of these rookies that were drafted are, are listed as third team, whether that's Ryan Finley being third team quarterback, Drew Sample third team tight end, or Rennell Wren being the third team nose tackle, Michael Jordan, same thing for, for uh interior offensive line Jermaine Pratt's the only guy that's actually listed as a second team for a rookie even though Jordan Evans listed as a starter maybe he's a little closer to him than those other positions there's one other rookie that snuck in there on the second team that you missed and that's oh. six round pick Deshaun Davis who's listed as a backup strong linebacker they have Malik Jefferson and Jermaine Pratt both listed as weak side oh, linebackers yeah. here and they have Hardy Nickerson still at the mic so they don't feel good about any of these guys drafted in the last two years to play middle linebacker. And the middle linebacker position that they have listed here, Preston Brown, Hardy Nickerson, Noah Dawkins, Sterling Sheffield, the last two of those guys, of course, being undrafted guys, I don't think you ideally see any of them on the field when you go to nickel. But mm-hmm. I, I have a hard time believing they pull those guys off. If, if Jermaine Pratt's out there, and say Preston Brown is hurt, who's wearing the radio helmet? Is it Brown or is, is is it Vigil, sorry, or is it Jermaine Pratt? Right, and I would assume it's Vigil because he's done it in the past, but Pratt's wearing it with the second team. Yeah, seeing Malik Jefferson now for the first time uh, since you said that as the third team weak side linebacker, that is not a good look for him. Not a good sign because they're probably only going to keep six linebackers. Yeah, and if that's the case, that's Deshaun Davis, Hardy Nickerson, and Jermaine Pratt as the backups. I just can't get behind Deshaun Davis over Malik Jefferson without seeing either of them play yet. I can't get behind Hardy Nickerson over Jefferson. Well. One of the two, right? Deshaun Davis or Hardy Nickerson, pick one. And then yeah. let's let's bring Jefferson. You have to see how they're going to play. Yeah, we still got four games to go. We, yeah, we, we have to see how they're going to play. We have zero games so far. We're going all on our impression of last year. But let's talk about the rest of the defense for just a quick second here. The secondary looks about as you'd expect with Drake Kirkpatrick and William Jackson listed as the first two corners. Sean Williams and Jesse Bates, of course, starting at safety. Looks like Brandon Wilson is beating out Trayvon Henderson for the backup free safety spot. And as expected, Clayton Fedulam is the second strong safety listed on the depth chart. Interesting, the Dark Wizard and B.W. Webb are both just listed as second corners at nickel. So there's nothing really differentiating them right now. It looks like they're equal on the depth chart in all ways, shapes, and forms. The one thing here to note is that at left cornerback, the farthest guy down the depth chart is last year's fifth-round pick, Devontae Harris. But all the guys that are in that third tier for left corner, Kavari Russell, Tony McRae, and Devontae Harris, I bet you they're all ahead of Tony Lippett. Well, actually, now that I say it out loud, I take it back. Right, it could be a little bit. As the Lippin, Darius Phillips, Jordan Brown, and Anthony Chesley at right cornerback. You know what? Six of those guys, you feel pretty good about their corner depth right now. I do. Yeah, because Lippitt has played a lot, and I, from what Darius Phillips showed, I, I still like him and want him. And Darius Phillips listed as the backup for punt and kick return. I think he's got a shot on this roster. Certainly looks that way at this point. And like I said, for all of these things, we'll need to wait and see what preseason brings. That is the summary of the first Zach Taylor depth chart published on August 5th, 2019. After a quick break, we'll come back and tell you everything you need to know about today's training camp practice. 
And here we are with the last segment of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Let's uh, go over some news and notes from today's practice. Apparently it was an extremely sloppy day. Uh, maybe a frustrating day, it sounded like, for Zach Taylor, as he said that nobody had a good day, even though he did talk up Ryan Finley just a little bit as he got reps with the number twos today. It was more like he was asked about Ryan Finley. Dan Horde was like, did Ryan Finley have a good day today? And then Zach Taylor, being the communicator, positive guy he is, tried to talk up some of the good things that happened out there. Also was pretty realistic about it. But overall, like you said, he wasn't too impressed. He said that there were pre-snap penalties, balls on the ground. Yeah. Let's take a listen to his direct quote. What did you make of today's practice? Uh, not good enough. You know, I, I thought the defense was up and down. The offense had that last drive, you know, it was a move the ball drive. We scored on fourth down. But overall, I just thought we were too many pre-snap penalties, too many balls on the ground. Uh, disappointing day offensively. I, I'm, I am certain that we'll pick it up tomorrow and rebound and have a nice practice. I told him tomorrow's our last full padded practice before we go play a game. So we need both sides to step up. One of the guys with two mistakes was the running back replacing Giovanni Bernard as he was on the rehab field with a tight hamstring. Travion Williams from the clips I got to see today on Twitter uh, was involved in a lot of the offense, but had a dropped pass and a fumbled exchange with the quarterback. Not what you like to see, but he had a really strong day at family day. And like Zach Taylor, you have to have some confidence that they're going to come back and have a solid day tomorrow. I do like that about Zach Taylor in in the same sentence or maybe the next sentence after he's like, you know, we had too many mistakes today, but I have a lot of confidence we're going to come out and have a great practice tomorrow. It's just little things like that. The way he keeps a positive outlook, the way he keeps perspective, the way he communicates his ideas is always something that is a treat to listen to, especially coming from 16 years of partly cloudy practices. Right, right. I don't ever remember Marvin Lewis saying, uh, even being this public about a bad practice. I remember him saying, you know, it wasn't where we want to be. We got to get better. Well, yeah, of course we know that, Marvin. But, uh, you know, even Zach saying it was bad, but we will be better tomorrow, or he has confidence we will be, is putting the onus on the players, I think. is putting the, the it back to them of, you know, I expect you to be better, and you will be better, because I have confidence that you are better than this. And he's pointing out the points of emphasis too, right? He doesn't want the careless mistakes. He's sick of the pre-snap penalties. I think these kind of came back after they had a good day without pre-snap penalties on family day. So it's got to be a little bit discouraging. But he did later say, you know, Lap asked him, is it upsetting? Are you frustrated that after an off day they came out and they looked rusty? And he said, no, I'm not dejected at all. Let's not get it twisted, essentially. So... Yes, he is objectively saying, you know what, we had too many mistakes today, but they're going to get them fixed. They've got the refs in there to help with uh, officiating issues, and that's where those false starts come from. And These are their days with the refs, and it's good to get it out of the way and hopefully iron it out. The Athletics' Jay Morrison, by his count, had 13 penalties today and said the first seven were on offense and the last six were on defense, which uh, included... Uh, two holding, two offsides, and two pass interference calls. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. The pre-snap penalties weren't only on the offensive side of the ball. I think this is something that Lapa mentioned. They had some jumpy defensive linemen today. Yeah, two of those were called. For the offense, if you're interested, they were three for holding, three false starts, and one pass interference on offense. Really? And, and that's probably one of the, like, a screenplay with a timing thing. Had to be. Blocking yep. too early, because that's what most of those are. 
you got to clean all that stuff up. Like that's timing and being in the right place at the right time. That's getting off the snap. They're practicing uh, coming off a silent count today because it's really loud in Kansas City. So I think they're getting ready for that. But you got to get that stuff ironed out. We can't watch another season of two false starts a game, killing drives, of a holding penalty and, and two other, you know, whatever it is. You can't kill kill drives procedurally when your offense doesn't have those giant chunk plays in it. Right. And uh, Darren Simmons contested that there were 14 penalties today, that they missed one because Josh Malone pushed off on William Jackson right in front of him. So that Great. was, yeah, there's more of that in, uh, in Jay Morrison's notes and, and recap of today's practice. So some positives from today's practice. It sounds like Damian Willis continued to have a good day. Andy Dalton threw a few nice balls to the tight ends. Tyler Eifert and CJ Uzama both had some really nice catches and seams or on goes, essentially fade routes. Uh, I still stand by my opinion that the best play in the Bengals playbook is throw it to Tyler Eifert when you can see the linebacker's nameplate. Sure. Throw it right at him. Uh, Also, Carl Lawson, again, is on a tear. And there were two plays in a row where he tossed Cordy Glenn. One, uh, Paul Denner tweeted that he tossed him five yards, whereas other accounts said it was back-to-back plays. And then on the second one, he put him on his butt. So, so is, that, is that good for the defense or bad for the offense? How are you taking that? I take that as Carl Lawson is very strong. I Co- think Cordy Glenn be. is going to occasionally lose some reps, but not like that. that's significant. Carl Lawson had a quote also that he said, I'm better than I was before. I hope so, because can you imagine a much better Carl Lawson? He's already really good. Yeah, what if he's what if he's like, no, not just really good. But that's the thing, to, though, too, right, is maybe he can find his way to be listed higher on the depth chart just based on he's one of the best players on the defense, potentially. I just hope they pay him. You know, if he stays healthy and has a year we know he can have. I hope they don't think of him as like, oh, you know what? You belong standing up in a 3-4 somewhere. Right. You're not a great fit or a perfect fit. No, you make him fit. I think they're going to retain. There's no reason to think he wouldn't be retained. Well, well let's, let, we're, we're a little early on this, obviously. But, yeah, it, we need to see him stay healthy. And I want to see him get like 600 snaps. And yeah. if that's the case, I think he can have a super productive year. I hope that he gets the opportunity. Right. I don't want it to be, again, how I think a lot of fans feel that he wasn't used often enough. I think it sounds like they're trying to find ways to get him on the field, right? You mentioned a, yeah. a package with him, Dunlap, and Hubbard out there with Gino, and, and Lawson was actually inside. Yeah, and the 3-4 stuff, too, that Paul Denner wrote right. about. Yeah, so there should be some more opportunities to keep him out on the field. It sounds like Lou Anarumo is trying, making an effort to, to use Carl Lawson, use Sam Hubbard, use those weapons, and we probably won't know until week one, really, what it's going to look like. Yeah. One final note uh, that I wanted to add in there. I'm looking forward now. There it is. Uh, that Jay Morrison also noticed that Michael Jordan had a couple of soft, slow-looping snaps from the shotgun to Ryan Finley that he just noticed they were not as crisp and sharp, and it ruined the timing on the play. And he's listed on the depth chart as a guard. Right. So he may be that swing interior guy and that they only use that center if you have two injuries, which, let's please God, don't happen. Yeah, I think right now if they were to use today's depth chart, essentially not the official one, but the one they were using in practice, this is Trey Hopkins is playing guard, right? So if Billy Price 
knock on wood, gets hurt, and they have to move Trey Hopkins over to center. He's going to center before before Michael Jordan is. But in the first preseason game, you're probably not going to trot Price and then Hopkins out there for too long, no. especially if Hopkins, Hopkins is going to get a chance at left guard. So we'll, we should get a lot of uh, live-action snaps of Michael Jordan at center. I think so. And, and I would still rather it be Jordan than Brad Lumblade from what sure. I've seen from Brad Lumblade so far. Can't wait to see Brad Lumblade this Saturday. Can't wait to see him on Thursday in the locker room. Or I, I guess I won't be in the locker room. I'll be in the cafeteria, maybe. That's who you're going to get to interview. Brad Lundblade, here you go. Great. Awesome. I'll talk to anybody that'll talk to me. I know you will. That will do it for today's episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with another short episode. We're going to try to squeeze it in in the middle of the day, and I'll add something after I'm done work. We've got conflicting schedules again, and then i got to get on a plane and make my way to Cincinnati. So we'll see you tomorrow, Bengals fans. Until then, have a good one.